Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Father, we come before you this morning and uh, we come first and foremost and we just uh, thank you, Lord, again, that we are able to gather this this week um, as brothers and sisters in Christ and uh, and as even visitors come and and just the, the opportunity and the blessing it is for us to, to worship you and, and to come and sing praises and rejoice in the Lord. And so we thank you, Lord, and we pray, Father, as we, uh, we recognize that your promises are true and that you are true and that all you say is true. And so even as we, uh, as a church, we grieve, um, with the Meyer family and with the Crouch family and as we grieve with, uh, over the loss of uh, a dear brother in the Lord, uh, we rejoice in the truth that your word is true and that there is indeed victory in Christ. And now uh, we know Paul, uh, as he has professed and trusted in Christ, he is with his Savior and we, we thank you, Lord. Uh, for your your goodness in uh, fulfilling all that you say. And we pray, uh, Father, for them. We pray for the Meyer family. We pray for the Crouch family. May you just help them, Lord, uphold them uh, and strengthen them as they, uh, and even as we grieve uh, over our dear brother. And uh, thank you for his testimony, Lord, as well. Uh, testimony of a love for Christ. Testimony of a love for your word and a love for others and a love for Haven. And, uh, we just thank you for him. And we pray as we turn to your word, uh, Father, that may you help us, Father. And even as we just sang, that you speak, O Lord, as we come to you. And so bless our time, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Right now, Spirituality is all the rage. Increasingly, people are more willing to say that they are spiritual than they are religious. So a 2017 study from the Pew Research Center found that 27% of adults in the United States are themselves, or see themselves as spiritual, but not as religious. So this was even up from 8% from five years before that, so 2012. And as you can imagine, you know, this percentage has likely only increased since then. Perhaps even greatly. So it's no surprise that people made for God would hunger for something even when it's unclear to them what that is. There are even atheists included in this study who claim to be spiritual but not religious. Now, uh, a lot of reasons they say that, but uh, there is a reason our hearts are spiritually restless, spiritually hungering. You know, St. Augustine, he rightly said, our hearts are restless until they find thy, the rest in thee. So I think people are looking for hope. 
They're looking for truth even as they rage against it. Well, we who gather this morning do have hope and truth to offer them. And that hope and truth are fixed, fastened, and bound to Christ. Hence, it's a terrible temptation and grave and costly error for Christians and churches to slowly begin breathing in the winds of false spiritualities. As our nation becomes more spiritual, we may be tempted, even you know, pressured to drink from their cup. But that cup is a cup that is devoid of Jesus. So we need to be careful. From what cup are we drinking? And this morning, we're also being threatened, very similar to us, by just that, a false spirituality, a spirituality devoid of Jesus. And so it is that Paul, he comes here and he lifts up Jesus and says, here he is, here is true spirituality. A spirituality not devoid of Christ, a spirituality not devoid of the Word of Christ, but a Christ-centered spirituality. So to see this then, let's turn in our Bibles to the letter of Colossians, and I'll be reading from chapter 2, verse 16, and I'll read to the end of chapter 2. As we come to the Word, may the Spirit of God make clear His Word and apply His Word to our hearts and minds and lives. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used, according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So again, we have here before us the ever-present danger of false teachers to the body of Christ. Here, Paul, he is continuing his exhortation 
for us not to be taken in by these teachers and what they are teaching. He, he warned us last week that in, in Colossians chapter 2 from verse 6 on, specifically verse 8, that we are not to be taken in by any idea not according to Christ. And any idea that is not according to Christ is rubbish. And so his exhortation was, do not be fooled. And now he continues his warning. So where the false teachers were giving, you know, a path, uh, circumcision as a path to greater Godliness. So here we see them offering up quite a buffet of options for a path to a greater, a deeper, a supposedly fuller kind of spirituality. Yet Paul, he would not have us follow them. Their spirituality is a guise. It is a, a mask. It is a lie. And hence, it is there that we see there are three characteristics here of their false spirituality. So the first characteristic is Jesus is missing. Jesus is missing. Essentially, false teachers were offering the Colossians and they still offer up for us today is a legalistic spirituality. So, rules, rules, rules. And as we saw with their view of circumcision, so here also. So, they come with, you know, presenting themselves in many ways as a judge over others. They have a gavel in hand and their rules set before them and they declare, how dare you not participate and practice a law-centric spirituality? And I think that's right. The sense of how they're approaching the Colossians here, and even uh, in some ways we see today, they're saying, keep the law regarding food, drink, and holy days. And so they were imposing the old covenant upon new covenant believers. So under the old covenant, you know, Israel, they were to to live according to God's law concerning food and drink. You know, along with this, so along with food and drink, you find in, in Leviticus laws regarding this, they would declare and they would also, uh, Israel, they would remember God's mercies. That's what the, the feasts were really about. They were coming as a way of recognizing the mercies of God and, and thanking God for what He had done. And they would do that summer, you know, fall, uh, and spring with their various festivals. You know, they would also practice the Sabbath. It was a day of rest. Uh, it wasn't, uh, you know, simply just a, a day off. It was not a holiday. It was a holy day. And that was the way it was to be seen. So then, imagine this. Imagine, you know, someone coming here, perhaps up here, and declaring to you, Haven, you have been doing it all wrong. You have been sinning grievously because you have not kept the law. 
You have not had the festivals. You have not set Saturday apart as the Sabbath of God. And for that, you are not a godly people. But, as I hope you would do, sitting there and hearing that, you would very notably write down Jesus is missing. So we see actually this rules, rules, rules mentality here in verses 20 through 23 as well. Uh, So do this, do that. Submit to these regulations. So rule, rule, rule. So a law-centric spirituality, they lift that up. And then they also have a rule-based, self-made spirituality. So let me just ask you, where is the hope found in these things? I mean, does that sound like you're getting chains off your back? Or does that sound like you're adding some more? Well, here is the warning for us. Be careful that you aren't missing Jesus for your rules. I never miss a Sunday at church. (laughs) Yet, there is no Jesus in the coming. You do it, but you leave it at that. I count the words of the song, check. I endured talking to a few people, check. So that's exactly how some people, you know, approach it. I came to church, they talked to me, and I get away from it. I, I tolerated the preacher, check. You know, and, and so there's a sense where just, the coming is, is mechanical, and it's lifeless, and it's dry. Well, I'm a person of conviction. I corrected their errors. Check. I was right theologically. Check. But what about mercy, kindness, and compassion? My children are the perfect children. They listen to me, and I don't want to brag, but, you know... I'm a pretty good parent, too. Well, I've corrected them. Check. I've told them God's command. Check. I've led them in family worship. Check. But your home is joyless, loveless, and merciless. What of the weightier matters even as Jesus said to the Pharisees, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Jesus is missing. A second characteristic of false spirituality is to be extreme. To be extreme. So the false teachers, they taught godliness was born out of what you keep away from. So, the word for that is asceticism. You don't have to write it down. You can if you want, but it's right there in your Bible, so whatever you want to do. The word here literally means 
humility, self-abasement, lowliness of mind. But not just like a good kind of humility, but a humility that is extreme. So they prided themselves in being severe towards their bodies because they believed it led them to greater holiness. So it's the idea that you are spiritual or be be better equipped to face the world by leaving it, by avoiding it, by not having anything to do with it. You know, monks tried that and, and they still are trying that. But... You know, temptation and worldliness has this persistent way of finding its way into people's hearts. Even if you are as far as you can be from the world. Well, in us, this can show up and it can simply be the disposition that we are godly because of what we don't do. I don't smoke, chew tobacco, or go with girls who do. At least that's what I think the saying how it goes. Don't watch movies. I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't, I don't. Therefore, I am godly. You see my life? I don't own, I don't even own a TV. Now you know I'm really godly. Asceticism has an interesting way of finding its way into our lives and making us think that because of what we don't do, we are godly. And that is a lie as well. And that is also a false spirituality. A third characteristic of false spirituality is subjectivism. Subjectivism. So the false teachers, what they were doing is they were saying that they had these experiences with worshiping angels and thus they had been given, you know, these supposed visions. They had a higher spiritual experience than others. So they were more spiritual, they were more godly than you. And the error here, if you've been tracking, so legalism and asceticism, and here it's mysticism. So apart from God's word, apart from revelation, apart from Jesus and the words of Jesus, they have this higher better experience. And here also, we need to take heed to the danger of this false spirituality. I remember when I was a very new believer that I was drawn into errors like these. You know, I didn't know that you couldn't trust every preacher you see on TV. I was very naive and I was hungry for the word. I was hungry to hear the word preached and I wanted to know what the Bible said. But I was drawn in. And I was briefly drawn into these preachers who preached a 
prosperity gospel, a word of faith, you know, uh, uh, name it and claim it message. So just to give you a background here, I'm from Oklahoma, and if you know where I'm from in Oklahoma, that's Tulsa, Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. And if you know something about that area, that actually is where much of the prosperity gospel began. So in the area we lived in, uh, that was exactly the air we breathed. That was what we knew, is this kind of experience of the prosperity gospel. So I was duped into supposing, uh, duped into thinking that there was a higher experience of Christianity because they allegedly had unique visions of Christ, visions of lofty things, and visions of a sacred communion with God and a faith force that I was missing out on. Now, if you look back far enough, and you look at the characteristics there, you will see that that is mysticism. A claim to have a unique union with the divine. Experiences that make you unique, make you more spiritual, make you more elite than other Christians. And I'm here to tell you, brothers and sisters, do not believe it. This is what the false teachers were teaching. They were doing this here. They were presenting a mystical kind of reality or experience of union with the divine, that they were elite, they were godly in a way that you aren't. And Paul is warning us and he is declaring their error in lifting up the truth that Christ is enough. And so it is that we must be careful. Jeremiah, this passage here came in my my walk with the Lord as I faced these teachings that said I was not elite. And I think in many ways exposed them. Verse 23 of chapter 23 of Jeremiah, Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord? And not a God far away? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Declares the Lord. Do not I not fill the heaven and earth? Declares the Lord. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying I have dreamed a dream. I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name? by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forget my name for Baal. Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream, but let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire? declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. So it is that we must reject any spirituality that is not according to Christ. Amen. 
He is sufficient. All, this is exactly what Paul has been saying. All the fullness is in Him. The mystery is revealed in Him. And Paul, he is not just saying that, but he means that Christ is enough. Do not be disqualified, do not be taken in, and do not be drawn away from your pure devotion to Christ. What other reason would he have to say, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? There is not this higher knowledge. This is the Word of Christ. You want to hear the Word of Christ, go to the Word of Christ. So instead, we are to embrace true spirituality. Here, and I mean that, we breathe fresh air. Here we breathe hope. And here we breathe help. Here we offer the world hope that is true hope. Life that is true life. And here we walk in Christ and according to Christ. So, contrary to the absence of Jesus, true spirituality finds freedom and fulfillment in Christ. Freedom and fulfillment in Christ. So where the false teachers were given a law-centric spirituality, we embrace a Christ-centered spirituality. So to their appeal to the Old Covenant, Paul, he directs our eyes to Jesus as the one in whom the Old Covenant finds its fulfillment. So food and drink, the festivals, new moon, the Sabbath have been fulfilled in Christ. They were a shadow, this is what he's saying, verse 17, These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance, the body, the reality belongs to Christ. So just like this shadow here, what does it point to? The reality. And so the old covenant pointed forward to Jesus. Also, contrary to an ascetic Subjective spirituality. True spirituality is anchored to the head. So the power of God is found in Him. Sanctification is found in Him. True godliness is found in Him. As we cling to and hold fast to Jesus... He grows us as we get into His Word. By His Spirit, He matures us. While the false spirituality set forth here is of no value in the midst of our struggles with sin and self, in Christ, there is victory. So go to Him with all of these. With your sins and struggles. He is your true help, which is exactly what we will see as Paul continues this letter.
So, let our spirituality be according to Christ. There, my friends, is where the world will find true spirituality. There is the message of hope for the wandering sinner. That, That may be you today. Maybe you're here and you have, you know, drank from the world and its spirituality that it has set before you this idea that you can be spiritual and have nothing to do with any of this. Perhaps you are that person and you consider yourself spiritual, but you don't know Jesus. Well, today you can. Today you can come to the one who made you and be his. And he can really save you. And it is my prayer that you would indeed not see the chains of the world spirituality, but you would find true hope this morning in Jesus Christ. Not in some man-made, self-wrought spirituality, but in him. And I will tell you that then your restless soul will find rest in Him. And may we, each of us, examine our hearts and lives and humbly, resolutely look to our Savior. May we live as those who do have this hope. Do not be afraid of the spiritualities of this world. We have Christ. And so shine this hope before a lost and needy and hungering world who need this food and drink. And so, let our spirituality be according to Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come and we thank you for your word. It it does come in and it does come like fire, like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces because we have, we have seen many areas this morning that they are right in the thick of what we are feeling, seeing, experiencing and encountering in America. And we may lean in the side of saying, well, I'm going to stick to my legalism. I'm going to stick to my asceticism. I'm going to stick to my mysticism. When we have heard this morning that God, you are calling us to live according to Jesus. So help us, Father. Help us at Haven and help anyone who is here who does not know Jesus Christ that this very moment they would consider their own soul before you. You have made them spiritual. And they were made for you. And as they have sinned and turned away from you, may you even now lead them to your Son, Jesus Christ, that they may trust and turn to Him as the only Savior. And so, Father, we pray for your hand. Help us to respond to your word. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.